You're listening to Season 8, Episode Number 9 of Strike the Match. In this episode, we consider the idea of mission in the fourth gospel, the Gospel of John. So with that in mind, let's... Welcome to Strike the Match with teacher and missiologist Dr. J.D. Payne. Strike the Match is a podcast that addresses matters related to missions, innovation, and leadership. Now here's J.D. Hello, listeners. Thank you once again for checking out another episode of Strike the Match. As always, great to be with you. I am honored that you are taking time out of your day, out of your schedule, whether you are driving down the road, maybe you're on a flight right now. Uh, Some of you I know listen to this uh, podcast while you are working out. And so while it is probably not as exciting as listening to Eye of the Tiger in the background during your run, I am nonetheless honored that you would consider this uh, resource uh, as a part of your listening pleasures. I am excited that we're now in the Gospel of John. Uh, Over the past several episodes, eight to be exact, uh, we have been looking at the mission of God, starting back in uh, Torah and have moved through uh, the Old Testament. And uh, the previous episode, we looked at uh, the mission of God in the Uh, Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and now today we come to the mission of God in the fourth gospel. And John has a great deal to say about this uh, particular topic. Uh, By the way, if you are just joining us in uh, this uh, journey together during this season, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to the eight episodes that have been recorded thus far for season eight. They will give you a great deal of history and backstory, culture and context related to this theme that I have been tracing throughout the scriptures. And by the way, if you haven't had a chance to get a copy of my book, Theology of Mission, I would encourage you to do so and to read along, to follow along Uh, in uh, this study uh, using that book as a resource guide as well. So, today's episode, Mission in John. Three things I want you to think about. Three things to keep in mind when it comes to the notion of the blessing of the nations. So, first of all, in John's Gospel, I want you to think about the blessing of the nations through sending through sending. Now, when we look into this gospel, what we see related to this topic is that the nations are blessed through the sending of the Baptist, so uh, obviously John the Baptist, through uh, the Messiah being sent, through the temple. Now, that's an interesting thought. How is it that the temple is sent? Well, We will talk about that in this episode. Uh, And then, uh, Lord willing, in future episodes, particularly in the Pauline epistles and uh, the um, episode that I will be uh, looking at, uh, Mission in Revelation, uh, this topic of the the temple as being something sent into the world uh, because of the Spirit indwelling 
the people of God uh, is something that's going to come back uh, to us uh, in the future. So you've got the blessing of the nations through the sending of the Baptist, Jesus, the temple. Uh, we also see in John's Gospel the sending of the Spirit, the sending of the disciples, as the Father has sent me, so uh, I am also sending you, and intimately connected to the sending of the disciples in addition to the Spirit, is the notion of unity among them as a community, that part of the way, part of the means by which the nations will be blessed as the disciples are sent is as they manifest a unity with one another and with the Messiah and with the Father. Um, Blessing of the nations through sending. Also in John's Gospel, Second thing I want you to think about as we go through this today is the blessing of the nations through testimony. All right? So through testimony. It's not enough just to be sent into the world, but in John's gospel, those that are sent, they have a testimony to bear. They have a testimony to bear witness to something, and we'll talk about that. Third thing. Third thing I want you to think about as we journey through mission in John today is the blessing of the nations through suffering. Definitely a topic that uh, we often do not like to speak of, but there is no way, there is no way that you can read uh, Genesis through Revelation and not see that intimately connected with the mission of God in the world, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, is this notion of those that are sent, those that are sent to give testimony, those that are sent to give testimony will suffer because of the one who has sent them, because of what they are sharing. So, those three things related to the mission of God and how he is working to bless the nation show up quite a bit in the Gospel of John. So with that as sort of an overview, let's jump in and let's think about mission in John. So John makes it clear that mission begins with God and is intimately connected to his activities in the world. Uh, God is the source from which all missions, those activities, uh, God's the source from which all missions extend. The word is revealed as creator and the one who takes on flesh to dwell among his image bearers, to bring them life and light into their darkness. We see that in John chapter 1. God loves the world and sends. There's that concept. He sends his son that others may place their faith in him for eternal life. John chapter 3. Now, mission in the fourth gospel may be understood through the pattern of purpose that I've talked about in previous episodes related to uh, one being sent in the world with a message of hope through judgment and those who believe this message of hope through judgment and specifically what we see in John's Gospel is those who believe this message that Jesus is the Christ, they enter into relationship with him and they receive the blessing of God equated with having life in his name, according to John chapter 20, verse 31. Those sent by God into the world 
to bear testimony to God and his Christ, they often experience, as I mentioned just a second ago, suffering in conjunction with their kingdom labors. Now, I have to say at the outset that scholarship is divided over the view of mission in John's gospel. Some say uh, that it is not there that much, and others say it is there a great deal. I'm actually in the latter category. I think that the fourth gospel has a great deal uh, to say about God's mission. Um, you know, one of the things I like what uh, Kostenberger uh, writes about is that he makes the statement that the fourth gospel's focus is not on God's mission per se, but on his mission through Jesus and on Jesus's mission through his followers. I think that's an excellent point to think about and keep in mind. So, thinking about the concept of a blessing of the nations through sending, that first category that I mentioned uh, at the outset. So, the language of sending is used throughout the fourth gospel. And what we see in this book is that sending occurs in the world, which is the location of all of that which is opposed to God and his goodness. And we see that running through many chapters in the Gospel of John. Now, I just referenced uh, Kostenberger just a moment ago, and I want to draw attention to uh, him one, uh, at least one more time, and that is um, he summarizes John's principles of sending as four, four principles of sending. And this, this is how he summarizes uh, John's understanding of the aspect of, of sending as a part of blessing the nation. So here it is. Number one. The one who is sent, whoever that is, whether that's the Baptist or Jesus or the Spirit of the disciples, the one who is sent is to bring glory and honor to the one who sent them. Number two, the one sent is not to do his or her own will, but the will of the sender and to do his works and to speak his words and to be accountable to the sender. Number three, third principle that we see in sending uh, in the Gospel of John. The one sent is to represent. How's that for a, a rhyme that will preach for you this Sunday? The one sent is to represent the sender by bearing witness and exercising delegated authority. And then the fourth principle of sending that we see in the fourth gospel is that the one sent is to sustain an intimate relationship with the sender. So now these principles are observed in the pattern of purpose related to the sending of God, uh, or related to God's sending of uh, the Father, uh, sending John the Baptist to reveal the Christ, uh, the Father sending the Son to provide eternal life, the Father and Son sending the Spirit to comfort, convict, and empower for mission, uh, the Son sending the disciples to bear witness to himself and the life he provides. So you see these, these four principles showing up in these various uh, uh, representatives that are being sent throughout the fourth gospel. Again, as I'll mention uh, just uh, a little bit more in detail in a moment, the concept of sending is intimately connected with testimony, bearing witness, that is, and also intimately connected with suffering as well. So let's think about 
for a moment John the Baptist. So in John's gospel, uh, John the Baptist was sent to Israel and came as a witness that all might believe. We see that in chapter 1. Chapter 2, his ministry involved conducting baptisms, and through these acts, God revealed the Christ. We see that when he is asked, who are you? Are you the Messiah? Uh, He responds by denying that and says that, quoting Isaiah, uh, he is the voice crying out in the wilderness, calling for people to prepare for the coming of the Lord. When the Messiah is seen in John's gospel, uh, John the Baptist states that he is the Lamb of God, very much Old Testament metaphor there. He is the Lamb of God who takes away, now don't miss this, the sins of the world. Now that's shocking language. Uh, Such shocking language not only personified that Old Testament sacrifice, but extended the atonement beyond the borders of Israel. The Baptist's description about the Messiah encompassed something that was not possible even on the annual Day of Atonement. So what John is doing in the sending of John the Baptist and his statements about the Messiah is revealing a significant component to the mission of God. All right, how about the sending of Messiah? How about sending of Jesus in John's gospel? So John views mission as a key theme in understanding the life and the work of Jesus. Uh, The church's mission builds off of Christ's mission. The word is the same creator that was with God and was God, John 1, 1. The word is sent from the Father into the world he created, John chapter 3, John chapter 8, chapter 10, chapter 17. What else do we see? The creator um, takes on flesh and tabernacles among his people, John chapter 1, verse 14. He comes to bring light to darkness. We see uh, references to Moses foreshadowing the mission of Jesus by uh, the elevation of the bronze serpent in the wilderness. John talks about this in John chapter 3. So, though Jesus was quick to note that salvation was from the Jews, according to his conversation with the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4, we find out that he did not hide the fact from others that the Father had sent him, John chapter 8. He comes to obey the Father's commands so that the world may know that he loves the Father, John chapter 14. As a good shepherd, he is sent to protect and care for the flock and to bring in his other sheep that are not of this fold, John chapter 10 verse 16. That's possibly a reference beyond the Jews and the Samaritans. Uh, The fourth gospel writer notes that Jesus had to pass through Samaria in John chapter 4, verse 4. And what does he do? He spends time with the Samaritan woman and her village. Uh, It is uh, from the victory that Christ provides in John's gospel that one sees and finds the the root of the mission of the church. The the floodgates in John's gospel were about to open. Uh, 
and that the Gentiles would, would soon begin to stream into the kingdom, becoming the children of God. Uh, in, in the way that the Old Testament prophets saw of that massive eschatological ingathering that was addressed in a previous episode. All right, now let's think about the sending, blessing the nations through sending, and the concept of temple. You don't think about temple being something sent. We often think about temple as being a permanent uh, fixture. So in John's gospel, what do we have? Well, the narrative of the temple cleansing in John's gospel offers a perspective into how John likely understood the relationship of Jesus to the temple. Remember, in John chapter 2, he says, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Uh, he was speaking about the temple of his body, John chapter 2, verse uh, 21. There is much significance in this text concerning John's understanding of mission. The implications found in this text, really unless one is willing to accuse the evangelist of allegory or simply making a comparison, is that the physical structure on Mount Zion, the physical structure on Mount Zion is no longer significant. And I would point us to John chapter 4, verses 21 through 24, where he speaks to the Samaritan woman about uh, the location of the place of God is not uh, the significant issue. The temple is the Lord himself, and the spirit that filled the original temple was about to fulfill prophecy and fill the Lord's disciples, according to John chapter 14, verse 17. Wherever they would go, as they were sent into the world, John 20, 21, the spirit would go with them. The nations, and here it is, the nations would encounter the temple, but not necessarily in Jerusalem as not being a physical building. Important point. We'll come back to that in the Pauline epistles in the book of Revelation. But what we see in John's gospel on the concept of, of the temple is something that is shifting substantially in light of Old Testament prophecy and the mission of God. All right. Sending, or excuse me, the blessing of the nations through the sending of the Spirit. So we see a great deal about the Spirit in John's Gospel. The first introduction to the Spirit in the fourth Gospel is in connection with the ministry of the Baptist. The Father sends the Spirit on the Son at his baptism. John notes that this act enables the Baptist to identify and bear witness to the Son who then will baptize with the Spirit. After Jesus is glorified, the Spirit is given to believers, John chapter 7. And all of this Spirit language, it was likely uh, that what you see and what you read about, it's likely that the Gospel writer is thinking about what Ezekiel had to say about the dry bones and the Spirit of God moving across the people of God and bringing them to life as a, as a powerful army, Ezekiel chapter 36. What do we find out? We find out that being Abraham's descendants in the Gospel of John was insufficient for seeing the kingdom of God. Genealogy could not get you into the kingdom of God. A regeneration by the Spirit was necessary for life, according to John chapter 6, and the Spirit would be provided without measure, according to John chapter 3, that God's reputation would be known among the nations. The Spirit is sent 
to be with the disciples forever. The Spirit empowers the disciples. The Spirit is described as a helper. The Spirit is described as one who would bring to their remembrance all that Christ said to them. And such is needed, for they would be sent into the world, a world loved by God. The Spirit is sent from the Father and the Son. He will not only bear witness to the Messiah, but He will enable the disciples to bear witness to Him as well, according to John chapter 15. He comes to convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment, according to John chapter 16. All right, finally, when it comes to the sending of those in the Gospel of John related to the blessing of the nations and God's mission, we come to the issue of the disciples. So the disciples... During the Samaritan discourse there in John chapter 4, Jesus tells his disciples that they are sent to reap that which they did not labor, John chapter 4, verse 38. And later, Jesus acknowledges that he has sent the disciples as he has been sent by the Father in John chapter 17, verse 18. They were to bear witness to what they have seen heard and experienced, John chapter 15, verse 27. Uh, we see after the Easter uh, uh, experience, uh, following the resurrection, Mary Magdalene is sent to the disciples to announce the resurrection, John chapter uh, 20, verses 17 and 18. Uh, we see that uh, Jesus shared with them, as the Father has sent me, I, I am so, or even so, I am sending you, John 20, 21. Certainly, the disciples were unable to do some of the work exclusive to the second person of the Godhead, of course. However, as his representatives, they were to take the good news. It is finished into the world. John chapter 19, verse 30. Now, with the disciples being sent into the world, we find that in John's gospel, the notion of unity of the community was critical. Mission for God's people has always been a communal effort. Solitary labors alone in the field were unheard of. And so when we begin to see them sent into the world, Jesus tells them things related to their unity, their unity would result in the world believing that the Father had sent the Son, John chapter 17. Their unity would serve as a powerful witness of the transforming power of the gospel and the fellowship that surrounds it. They have this new covenant that he, or excuse me, this new commandment that he, he gives to them to love one another uh, as the watching world looks into the community of the saints and asks the question, how do these people of the Messiah treat one another? And it was through such interaction that all would know that they are his disciples, John chapter 13. Now, connected with the disciples being sent and their unity as they go is the notion of them bearing testimony. So bearing witness to the Messiah is significant in John's understanding of mission. Such testimony comes from his disciples, but also from the signs performed that we read about, uh, which are viewed as a testimony from the Father and Son, the signs that we see performed in John's gospel. So a testimony is, is shared 
so that others may believe. Uh, Many Samaritans believed in Jesus because of the Samaritan woman's testimony, John chapter 4. Following the crucifixion, John notes that he who saw it has borne witness. His testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth, that you also may believe. John chapter 19, verse 35. After the resurrection, he notes that the signs of Jesus recorded in his gospel are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. John 20, 31. John concludes with a confession in John chapter 21, verse 24, that he is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things and who has written these things that we may know that his testimony is true. We see in John chapter 8, verse 18, Jesus states that both he and the Father bear witness about the Messiah. John chapter 10, John chapter 14, the works that Jesus does in the name of the Father bear witness to him. So bearing witness, giving testimony to what has been seen heard, experienced regarding the Messiah is critical to the mission of God in John's gospel. And that brings us to the last aspect that's intimately connected with those that are sent into the world to bear witness, and that is the blessing the nations through suffering. Now, though the synoptics have very, um, well, have quite a few, let's just say it this way, they, they offer much detail about the arrest and the death of the Baptist. Uh, The fourth gospel has very little to say about John the Baptist uh, other than just a passing reference to his imprisonment. Anyone who confessed Jesus as the Christ was put out of the synagogue, John chapter 9, John chapter 12, John chapter 16. Uh, Though Jesus had overcome the world, the disciples would have tribulation as they engage in mission, John chapter 16. They would be hated by the world because the world hated the Son, John chapter 15. Just as the Messiah suffered during his mission to bring life, in a similar way, his disciples would continue this suffering before, or excuse me, suffering for the Messiah's mission. And part of the reason why they suffer as they go bearing this testimony is because of the message that they share, and it's that the message that they share is an exclusive message of redemption to both Jews and Gentiles. Explicit faith in Jesus is necessary. And so that message was not appealing to a great deal of people in the first century, especially people who were very devout and religious in their traditions, as well as those who were very much caught up in the pleasures of the world. So we see these aspects of mission in John's gospel. And I know that in this brief episode, we've, we've only glossed over them, just hitting some of the high points. But when we think about John's gospel, mission is primarily understood in terms of being sent. Though mission originates with God, John gives attention to those sent 
to participate in his work in the world. As the disciples go into the world, their unity and community will serve as a powerful testimony before a world intent on opposing their kingdom labors. Following the ascension, the work of the Spirit in the life of the community of disciples will greatly advance, greatly expand, greatly multiply the efforts of the disciples among the nations. Hey, thanks so much for checking out this episode of Strike the Match. Of course, this concludes our thinking about the mission of God in the Gospels as we've covered this in the past two uh, episodes. Uh, Lord willing, in our next episode, we will be looking at mission in the book of Acts. I hope you'll check it out. Until then, take care. You have been listening to Strike the Match with J.D. Payne. You can find J.D. on Instagram, Facebook, or follow him on Twitter at J.D. underscore Payne. And if you'd like to check out more books, posts, and podcast episodes, visit jdpain.org. You can also subscribe to this podcast on your favorite Android app or at iTunes. And we'd be honored if you would consider rating us or leaving comments. Thanks again for tuning in. We hope you'll join us next time.